This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery... Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Welcome to the BBC Music Magazine podcast. You can subscribe to the magazine by visiting classical-music.com or to our interactive iPad edition by visiting iTunes.com. BBC Music Magazine is now an official Apple Music curator and you can listen to our exclusive playlists by visiting applemusic.com slash bbcmm. Let's hear the disc's opening track, Britain's Occasional Overture, arranged for brass band by Paul Hindmarsh, and confusingly nothing to do with either the First or Second World Wars, but a celebration of the launch of the BBC's third programme in 1946. So that was Benjamin Britten's Occasional Overture. Um, and Jeremy, a work not necessarily connected with the war, but this is a disc that has some war connections, of course, being called War Memorials. It does um, indeed. Tell us a bit about the works that actually are connected to the war. Right, well, you've got effectively six works on this disc. 
Um, the the first one and the last one are not related to war. And those are the, the overture we just heard from Britain. And at the end, we have a set of St Edmundsbury fanfares by Britain, which he actually wrote in 1959 um, for a Magna Carta um, ceremony, a pageant. With, um, and then it's got works related to those. Neither of those are actually anything to do with war, but the central four works are, and they are two um, war memorials by Robin Holloway, the composer Robin Holloway, Lucy Pankhurst's Voices, and John McCabe's The Mournful Fort. Now, the two Holloway works, and the Pankhurst works are related to World War One, and the McCabe, is, um, which is called the Monsal Forts, is related to World War Two. It's very effervescent music, isn't it, Rebecca? It's very sort of evocative. I mean, there's this sort of sense that uh, brass bands are really sort of a community spirited, and there's this sense that brass bands have an awful lot of awful lot to say about sort of common folk, as it were, going off to fight in the war. Um, did you find it sort of very affecting music? I just thought it was a really fascinating disc, actually, and it really opened my ears to the, the depth and richness of, of brass band music. Uh, I did think it was a moving memorial, in a way, to the soldiers who fought in these two world wars, um, and I didn't think it tried to sort of sell us a narrative about war at all, actually, actually, because we had the Britain in there as well. And I found a lot of the music was very effective and very evocative. Uh, particularly, I like the, the Robin Holloway, the two war memorials, which he wrote in the early 1980s to commemorate the First World War from the viewpoint of the soldier. And he says that they, the two pieces share some themes but stand separately and they're sort of tied in with sombre moods, times and places. They're actually separated on the disc, these two pieces, and I think actually I would have preferred them next to each other. Yeah. But the first one in particular, Men Marching, it has a very heavy tread in the opening and these muted colours and it sounds sort of funereal in a way um, and the, this sound of the men marching is really very striking. In fact, it almost made me think of some of those funeral marches you get in Marlow and the sounds of the brass there. Mm. So maybe we could hear that extract, actually. That was an extract from Robin Holloway's Men Marching, the first of his war memorials. Um, Eleanor, the, uh, the brass band seems particularly suited to um, to portraying uh, a sort of sense of marching here, a sense of doom, a sense of, um, as Rebecca said, a sort of funereal atmosphere. Um, the bands themselves are just phenomenal, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. I mean, I think um, Paul Hindmarsh says it best when he says in the in the programme notes that the, the brass band kind of evokes this working man's orchestra um, sound and, and we really get that, as you say, as a, as a fitting tribute for all those working men who, who did go off and were killed in the wars. And these two orchestras, um, these two bands, are um, a very long-established band. So they were playing all the way through those wars. They've got this real history behind them. Um, I mean, the Cory Band was uh, founded in 1884 and I think the Trilogue Town Band is back to even 1849, so really long way back. Um, and they do play with absolute professionalism. It's it's a fantastic accuracy and sound they've got. They've got real character in in their playing. So I think. many different colours, aren't there, yeah, in the absolutely. ensemble? That is... 
so I brilliant. Think sometimes in a you could think that a brass band, because it's all brass, could have a lack of kind of variety. But as you say, there's there's such a huge variety and so many different tones and there's some lovely smooth um, lyrical passages and then there's that kind of choppiness that you associate more. And some phenomenally virtuosic playing as well mm. at times. As yes, well. it's absolutely virtuosic and I'm, I'm always staggered actually at the, the, the versatility of these bands because, you know, a lot of them formed when industry was set up in many of these towns and many of these people sort of gave up their rural pursuits and sort of took up brass band playing as a way to knit the community together and so you've got this sense that the band is, is really rooted in the community and yet is able to play this music that is, for all, you know, for want of a better term, sort of high art, contemporary music. So they can do it all. And I think that that comes across particularly in the Holloway where you've got the sense of the men singing these songs and marching to their doom. And yet you've got this very sort of strict counterpoint and beautiful phrasing and articulation. John McCabe's Mournful Forts, I think, is an extraordinary tour de force, actually. Um, it, 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 it's, uh, I think it was written for a uh, brass competition. Um, and you can, you can really tell in the sense of John McCabe trying to portray the sort of swell of the sea and the rickety structure of these forts, these Mournful Forts, which were constructed in the Thames estuary. Um, they're sort of like, as they say in the programme notes, sort of war of the world, sort of almost dystopian creatures there as, as, as defences against aircraft attack. Um, and, you know, he really conjures up, I think, the sense of the tracer bullets and the sense of the structures sort of moving as the tide goes in and out and the danger that these men would have faced, particularly at, at night. Uh, there's a real sense of peril, I think, in the music. Um, also, the sea kind of reminds you of the connection in the final piece we get where there's the references to Britain's Peter Grimes and you, you hear that there and then you start thinking of the sea and how that would have been, you know, that was the edge of where people would then be travelling off to war. So the sea is actually a very important force. It kind of united those works in a way. I'm also going to add to that at the very beginning, the low brass kind of hints at the sound, that ominous sound of aircraft approaching, which is why the Montal Forts were there. Um, and you can, it has that sense of danger straight from the beginning. But that's at the beginning. The, the passage we hear is, is later on in the work. Yes, it is. And it's a sort of very, um, uh, there is a sense of impending danger in this in this extract. You know, the, the combination of the attacks and the combination of the sea and just general sense of uh, doom. That was John McCain's The Morsel Forts, um, a real uh, sort of combination, as we were just discussing, of Shostakovich and Gustav Holst there at the end from Mars, from his planet suite. Um, Jeremy and Simon Dobson's Scherzo, his vitality, you get, a, you get a sense of the brass band really having that same sort of interplay, don't you, as well? That sort of sense. I mean, they, again, their playing is particularly fine as you get the sort of swapping of ideas backwards and forwards. Absolutely. What, what goes on in this work is that this is part of... Um, Essentially, it's four St Edmundsbury fanfares, which Britain wrote in um, 1959, as I was saying earlier on. Um, they're very short. They're about 40 seconds each. And then um, 
four contemporary composers were commissioned to write works following each of these fanfares, and the idea is to bring out the various aspects of, um, of Britain's character, because Britain wrote in the St Edmundsbury fanfares himself. Um, so we have Lucy Pankhurst's is called His Depth. Um, Simon Dobson, which we're about to hear in a second, is, is called His Vitality. Um, Paul McGee wrote one called His Sympathy, and Gavin Higgins has written one called His Skill. Now, what um, Simon Dobson here is doing here is he's reflecting on Britain's sort of livelier kind of high octane character and Britain was very famous for um, herring around Suffolk roads in his car scaring the life out of his passengers or playing very very kind of competitive games of tennis and these are brought out here um, in, in Dobson's work. That was Simon Dobson's uh, vivacious uh, schizo, his vitality expressing Britain's, Benjamin Britten's um, sort of sense of enthusiasm and sense of danger too. Um, Eleanor, Lucy Pankhurst, uh, his, her, her voice is um, in memoriam, is one of the most affecting uh, works on this recording. In fact, we're going to use an extract to end this podcast with, but tell us a bit about it. I think the most affecting thing about it for me is that it starts with, um, with a recording of a letter uh, home from a soldier, and then the music gradually grows out of this kind of... It's, it's heartbreaking, really, the soldier writing home to his mother saying... Um, you know, we're about to go off, and then this music creeps out, um, and it's really it's a it's a wonderful work. It's quite contemplative in places, and then it has these bursts of energy, and it really again showcases all of, all of that the brass band can do um, from that point of view. Um, Lucy Pankhurst is is interesting figure in the brass band world. She's a, she's one of the few female composers working um, in the, with the brass band at the moment, and she's what the first woman who um, to be nominated in the brass band category at the British Composer Awards a few years ago, and she's kind of been a regular force um, ever since. I think I, I, I just very briefly, I think it just proves that um, you know contemporary music is something to be taken very seriously for brass band. I think the brass band medium is is um, deserving, I think, of a lot more attention. Yeah. We were discussing earlier how it it does cross kind of different genres in a, in a way that, and we heard in that last track actually that those um, that percussion is not something you'd hear in classical music as you'd expect it necessarily. So it's kind of from another tradition. Brass bands managed to bring this all together. Mm-hmm. Let's hear the Lucy Pankhurst. <laughs>
So that was the final few bars of Lucy Pankhurst's Voices in Memoriam. Time for the scores. Jeremy, what are you going to give this NMC recording out of 10? I'm going to give it 9 out of 10. I think it's a brilliantly programmed disc which really shows off all that brass bands can do in all sorts of different ways, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I'm going to also give it 9 out of 10. I think I'm, I'm not an expert in the brass band world, but it, it really opened my eyes to, again, as Jeremy was saying, what the brass band can do, and I will be returning to lots of these works. Rebecca? I'd like to give it 8 out of 10, but for very similar reasons as Jeremy and Eleanor, it uh, really opened my ears to, to this music and just wonderful playing and very sensitively done, I thought, this whole disc, yeah. And I'm too going to give it 8 out of 10, um, again, for, for very similar reasons. And I really do hope that uh, a disc like this can encourage more um, inventive sort of programmes of, of brass band music to open our ears and, and our eyes. Uh, it's wonderful stuff. Which gives us uh, an average of 8.5, this NMC uh, disc, which is called War Memorials, a music for brass band. So thank you very much, everyone. Uh, and do join us next time when we'll be listening to another new release. In the meantime, uh, goodbye from everyone. Goodbye. goodbye. Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.